Hey, y'all. Welcome back to Gramps Place, the podcast where we discuss everything medical cannabis and everything cannabis law reform. In tonight's episode, I'll give you a little insight as to why I started all of this. What gives me my motivation is the loss of my 23-year-old son, William, five years ago. He refused to break the law to try cannabis for treatment when multiple medications only made his condition worse. It all started several years ago uh, when he was about nine and a half years of age. Woke up one morning. I had fallen asleep on the couch again, as I did so many Saturday mornings. And uh, he came out, turned on the television, turned on the PlayStation, started playing. At one point, he uh, saw me looking over his shoulder and, uh, you know, just watching him play. And, uh, you know, he said, good morning, Dad. I said, good morning, William. And then my eyes went back to sleep, and uh, that was that. It was shortly after that when uh, I was awoken by a strange noise, and it turned out to be him having his first full grand mal seizure. We, of course, called 911, got the ambulance there, took him to the hospital, had him all checked out. Uh, everything was okay, but uh, we went back for a neurologist appointment. They did the EEGs, a couple other tests, uh, MRIs. We found nothing. So they told us at that time that they believed he was probably in this category of children who manifest it between the ages of 8 and 10 and grow out of it between the ages of 12 and 14. And he may have another seizure. He may not. Uh, and, and he didn't for almost a year. So we were kind of hopeful that that was the actual prognosis and it was going to work out that way. Uh, but it continued sometimes more frequently, sometimes with more distance between them. And, and I mean, as much as up to 14, 16 months in between seizures. You know, it, it never went away. And in the early onset, of course, his mother and I were already divorced by this point in time. So uh, we had to traverse that aspect. But she was dead set against him being put on medication, having just an occasional seizure. And I really didn't want to fight it at that point. When he got to the age of 16, and of course he was starting to drive and, and whatnot, his uh, dream was to have this problem go away, and it was really becoming troublesome to him, and it was affecting his demeanor, his uh, attitude, his outlook. You know, he was becoming depressed because he'd be, you know, months would go by, and then he'd be in the middle of the cafeteria at school and fall out in a full grand mal seizure. And, uh, you know, that, you can only imagine how troubling that would be to a teenager. He, he reached out to me at that point and said, Dad, I want your help. You know, I, I don't care what Mom wants anymore. So at that point, I stepped in. We took him to another uh, neurologist down in Plano, Texas, and they did another EEG and still found nothing. But they started him on uh, some courses of medication, which he did not like. Uh, number one, for the cost factor. And then number two, uh, the way it made him feel. And in the end, it didn't help. All in all, he probably tried six to eight different medications. Uh, a lot of the times his mother was taking him to the doctor, so uh, I don't know how many times it actually changed. But uh, nothing ever really seemed to stop it. 
And as he got older, he moved out on his own. You know, he started working full time after he graduated high school and uh, had a lot of pride as a young man being out on his own at the age of 18 and paying his own bills and, and you know, being a normal, uh, productive member of society. The only problem was, is the more medication he took, the more frequently he started to have seizures. In the end, he was having them probably as often as uh, once every two to three weeks. He would have the full body, unconscious, you know, anywhere from uh, five to ten seconds to three to four minutes he would be out and shaking. And being by himself, he, he, he was starting to gain some injuries along the way, uh, you know, and, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't do anything that wasn't allowed. You know, we had discussed the use of cannabis because we had heard tell of a few stories from, uh, you know, local news, et cetera, of some people who were, were fighting for it and that were using it or it had moved maybe to Colorado, et cetera. But uh, his total lack of desire to break the law, uh, he just wasn't interested in doing anything as far as trying it. So we didn't really look into it that deeply at that point. And uh, this past June, was at work at my desk and got a phone call that I didn't want to get. And it was that he had seized and it was his final time. He didn't wake up. And of course, it, it was at that time when I started to do my mysterious research uh, no one will ever know for sure whether he'd still be here or not because he never got the chance to try it uh, but the number of people that I have found uh, since I, I started digging that are having great success using it for their epilepsy is just astonishing to me children like Jaden David Nova Lee Harris Hank Kovac Amelia Weaver these are all people uh, that I can just pull off the top of my head, who that I I found and and read their stories, and it's just amazing at the results that they're having. And the second would be the science that backs it up, uh, science that dates back before legalization was ever an issue. You know, when you look at the history and uh, the research that has been performed to date. When you add that to the discovery in the late 1980s of the human endocannabinoid system and the research that's been put into effect since that discovery, I mean, the list never seems to end. And everything points to, to me to where I feel like I can safely say that his life could have at least greatly been extended had he been allowed to use this remedy, this natural remedy that comes from a plant that grows out of the ground. It, it's just unbelievable to me. The, the fact that the deeper I dig, the more reality I find that there is absolutely no reason why this plant should be illegal. It's just, uh, it's ludicrous. And the research I've done on the side of cannabis and why it's been illegal and why uh, it continues to remain illegal and why pharmaceutical companies can spend $800 million in one state to attempt to avoid its legalization 
and you know they're not the only ones uh the alcohol industry the uh, tobacco industry you name it they're all in on it and it uh it's just amazing what what you find out when you just do a little digging you know it's supposed to be of the people and by the people and i've said for almost uh, 40 years now that it's of big business and by big business I also outlined my cannabis use and how that was never a factor in whether or not I was a successful person. I started smoking cannabis when I was 17 years old. I smoked it daily for over 26 years. I basically looked at it as a harmless alternative to alcohol. I was also, contrary to what uh, we have been led to believe for decades, a very productive and successful person all the while being a quote-unquote pothead. Now, I stopped using cannabis when I married my current wife. Uh, it was at her unspoken request, but uh, it was her wish. So, And amazingly enough, contrary once again to popular belief, I had no issues giving it up. It was like night and day. Really meant nothing. Uh, I, I quit smoking cigarettes several times over the years and I can tell you there's a major difference between the two but uh, ironically enough shortly after giving it up I started having some serious health issues uh, my blood pressure began to spike so high at times that I literally thought that my heart was going to just explode out of my chest uh, it wasn't a constant thing it was like I say it was spiking up and down so Naturally, I made a doctor's appointment and went and had it checked out. And uh, after a slew of medical tests, went to the cardiologist, did the stress test, the whole bit. They basically put me on BP meds, and that was pretty much it as far as the blood pressure went. I really began to wonder, what the hell is going on here? You know, I didn't have any health issues when I smoked pot, and I smoked pot for years. But the real eye-opener was after my son passed away. And after watching him battle his demon for so long without any relief, and after uh, that point when I began my in-depth research, that I, I knew I had to get involved somehow. It, it's just, I can't rest at night knowing I'm not doing anything. You know, I started the, the page, Something Has to Change Now, on Facebook. And uh, originally, that wasn't the original name, but uh, the original name didn't, <laughs> didn't uh, agree with Facebook's rules, so I had to change it. And that was the most sensible thing I could think of because uh, something really does have to change. And now, one of the things I try to do, I, I do have a lot of people that message me and ask me where they can find this, where they can do that. But uh, a lot of times, I'll, I'll, if I have the time, I'll do the research for them and give them links to where, where they can find exactly what they're looking for. Because uh, after all, the whole purpose is education. And if somebody's going to, it's kind of like the teacher in, in elementary school that said there's nothing, no, no greater feeling than the child that's hungry to learn. And, and it's kind of the same way, you know. And then there's the overwhelming support that I've received and, some of the messages that I get are absolutely just amazing in the support and the loss of my son. It, it's just, it, it does nothing but push me further.
you know, I, I have not had one person that told me how dare I use him as a reason or, or anything of that nature. It's all, it's all been positive, every bit of it. I can't help but point out some of the most basic research that is readily available. The studies that stand out the most to me because of the argument that, that I'm fighting are the ones that were completed before and during the process of making cannabis illegal in the first place. You know, this has been a long and hard fought battle since the beginning. Uh, you know that way back in the 1930s when the lumber tycoon William Randolph Hearst was behind the push with Anslinger to make cannabis illegal. And uh, in that point in time, the American Medical Association testified against it. Uh, there's got to be a reason for that. There was a clinical trial completed of human epileptic patients called the Anti-Epileptic Properties of Cannabis Active Compounds, which showed great success in comparison to pharmaceuticals. And uh, the doctors that did this study urged that more trials needed to be done. Oddly enough, another important study was financed at the request of the Nixon administration in 1974 through the National Institutes of Health and the Medical College of Virginia in an attempt to prove that cannabis kills brain cells and hampers the immune system. But they found it wasn't killing brain cells. In fact, they found it wasn't hurting them at all. But they found it was that it was killing cancer cells instead. In addition, they also proved it enhanced and strengthened the immune system instead of hampering it. And also, in 1974, the U.S. FDA was presented with evidence, once again from the AMA, that proved there were 60 known medical benefits to cannabis at that day and age and zero adverse effects. Uh, you know, of course, the, the administration buried these reports because they did not support their cause to keep cannabis illegal. So, you know, they, they had to hide that information as fast as they could. You know, of course, the biggest research of importance in this day and age, uh, is, in my opinion, in regard, is in regard to cancer. You know, there are a multitude of studies out there, like we say, tens of thousands uh, I've also read several personal stories of people who have succeeded in beating their cancer. Uh, now, does this mean that it's actually a cure? Uh, yes and no. I argue this point a lot on my page uh, when I post something that claims it's a cancer cure or a study that shows it can be a cancer cure. You know, people want to argue cure is a powerful word. People say that aspirin cures a headache. Do they not? But is aspirin really a cure for a headache? If it was, it'd mean you'd never get another one, right? <laughs> so it may not be the super cure, cure-all for cancer, but because just like with chemotherapy products, any homeopathic remedies, etc., a large part of the battle with cancer, and this is something we've learned in the recent years, is uh, detection and early detection. It, it depends on what stage it is, you know, how much of the body's affected, etc. I mean, even miracles can't bring back something that's already gone, you know. But you, you can't help but think that in some ways it is a miracle when you read some of these personal stories and when you read some of these studies. You know, the, the reality is we have 
more than enough evidence to justify clinical trials and human study, yet we drag our feet due to a prohibition that was started for ridiculous reasons and a prohibition that plainly needs to end. You know, get involved. The more voices that we put together in the population all the way across this country, the better the chance to get the change that we seek. The end to the drug war and the end to the prohibition of a plant which has likely caused the needless suffering and loss of millions and millions of people. It, we just got to stand together. Uh, it's as simple as that. It really is pretty simple, folks. Something has got to change. And now. Gramps Place. Brought to you by Something Has to Change and Now. Along with our media partner, the Texas Cannabis Collective where you'll find anything and everything about Texas and Canada.